Hello, and welcome to ICI Digs Deep, sponsored by D2 Land and Water Resource, Inc. Today, Purdue University's John Haddock gives ICI members a behind-the-scenes look at the development of wireless electric vehicle charging technology. Hello, it's Richard Hedgecock with ICI Digs Deep Podcast, and we have a special guest with us today on, on a very interesting topic that we all need to keep our eyes on and be aware of, and that is going to be EV charging and what that can mean in the bigger picture for all of us in the industry. We have with us today John Haddock from Purdue. How are you, John? I'm just fine, Richard. Thanks for having me on today. So tell us, John, a little bit about uh, your background and what you do at Purdue. Well, it depends on how much background you want. So, <laughs> I am a native Hoosier. I was born and raised here in Indiana. In fact, I live only about a couple miles from the farm I grew up on. That's oh, wow. Today. Yeah. So uh, I've been in and out of the state over the years, but uh, have been at Purdue University for the last 21 years where I am a professor of civil engineering and also the director of the Indiana Local Technical Assistance Program, if you've heard of that. So I'm going to presume that, that a lot of our members have had you in class. So that could very well be true. Uh, over the years, I've taught a lot of people and I see them. Uh, I was at a conference last week that I spoke and I saw a lot of people that I've had in class over the years. So yes, yes, that's true. So when you're teaching, what sort of areas do you specialize in? So my area of expertise is pavements and pavements materials. I uh, tend to be an asphalt person, mostly in asphalt materials, but also do some pavement works. I teach every fall at Purdue, I teach pavement design, which is a senior level course at Purdue. And then in the spring, I teach typically tend to teach either an advanced course in asphalt or a graduate course in airport design. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Okay. But you also do some research, right? So Tell us about some of the research projects you actually, why don't you kind of go back and think about the research projects you've done and, and how they've come to those that have actually made an impact in the market. And then we can talk a little bit about the things you're working on currently. Wow. You asked me to go back over the 30 years of my career. Well, <laughs> uh, I've forgotten probably much of what has been done over the years. I suppose just the highlights, uh, one of the things that I worked on earlier in my career was stone matrix asphalt, which has been adopted throughout the U.S. In fact, I helped put together the specifications that are still used for stone matrix asphalt, which is a kind of a premium type of asphalt mixture that we use. We, we do use that here in Indiana on surface courses for our high type pavements, our interstates. That's pretty cool. Still being used. Wow. Everywhere. Yeah. Every time I look at like the ASTM or the ASHTO method in writing, there's a drawing in there for one of the tests that has to be run. And I remember sitting in my office in Auburn when I worked for the National Center for Asphalt Technology and putting that drawing together on an old, uh, on an old IBM PC. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it's still being used. <laughs> yeah. They've not changed that drawing in 25 years. <laughs> That's pretty great. War Eagle. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Well, of course. I'm an SEC guy myself. The other thing that is more recent that we have done in uh, in my research group here at Purdue is um, we did the research behind what is called uh, a SuperPave 5, which is basically taking a SuperPave asphalt mixture design method and changing it a little bit so that we can try and get better density out of the pavements when we build them. That's been implemented now in Indiana. Everything we do in Indiana is super paid five. 
and the process is in the works to try and get that codified then in ASTM and ASHTO. There are some other states that do things that are kind of similar, but uh, hopefully that'll see a national adoption as well here eventually. Oh, that's great. So we won't even talk about LTAP. We can actually save that for another discussion later. But I want to talk about this uh, project going on, this study that you have going on EV charging in the road, embedded in the road. So we all keep a watchful eye in the industry at the policy level on changes that can impact future funding. And obviously, the electrification of vehicles is something that uh, is at top of mind with us as it starts to gain a little bit of a toehold in the in the market and in the public consciousness. And, you know, we know what we know. And what we know is that we have a gasoline tax and it works and it funds our roads and we're happy with that. But if that's going to change, there's all kinds of policy issues involved with how we're going to fund our roads going forward, most of which is how do we collect a tax on miles or fuel? In this case, it would be presumably electricity. And how do we keep these vehicles charged and uh, with enough battery to move around? So one of the things that you're working on is a way to keep automobiles or trucks charged while they're driving down the highway. Kind of explain what it is you're working on. So we do have, it's a wireless power charging system that we're working on that I guess an easy way to describe it, maybe I'm telling my age, but you know, as a kid, I had these racetracks that had little wires that ran in the track and you had a little car. And as that car ran down the track, it actually picked up its electricity from the track itself, from those wires in the track. In this case, what we're doing is we're trying to put chargers in the road, but there's no wire to make contact with. It's a wireless system. Yeah, sure. As your electric vehicle drives down the road, it actually could pick up charge from the charging systems built into the road and could charge or at least keep your battery topped off as you drove a long distance. What phase are you in in the development of this test? And is this being done other places? We actually at Purdue are members of what's called ASPIRE, which is a National Science Foundation Engineering Research Center, which involves us and four other universities uh, throughout the U.S. and one in New Zealand. Hmm. And these five universities are working together to try and bring this technology to fruition and bring it to the market. So there are other people working on different aspects of this. For my part, I'm simply working on the pavement aspect of it. How do we get these charging systems in the pavements? How do we construct them properly? How do we make sure that they're going to be durable when these systems get in? But we have electrical engineers that are working on the electronics part of it. We have software engineers who are working on the control parts of it. We're working with the electric providers, the energy companies that produce the electricity and provide it to us. So uh, there's a lot of companies working together to try and bring this uh, to the market. D2 Land and Water Resource, Inc. provides the civil engineering and construction community with site-specific products and solutions. From off-the-shelf items to drafting computer-aided designs in their in-house CAD department, D2 is here to help you keep your project running smoothly. To get started with D2, give them a call at 317-917-2180. So the electricity that would be running presumably through something that's embedded in the highway, 
when I think about this whole topic, this whole policy issue, I automatically go to what can the grid handle? And I think about the current grid in the U.S., and I just don't, I have no idea how our existing grid can handle a shift to all transportation being done with electric in addition to what's already being done. So how would you, what are you all working on to create that electricity, to create that power that would run through this this roadway? Well, that is really an excellent question. And that's a question that I've asked not only myself, but the electrical engineers <laughs> many times. And I'm not sure I've gotten a great answer. I think the simple answer is, is that where you would install these systems, you would actually put in a substation for that particular system. And we're also looking at combining these systems with renewable type energy. So places, for example, in Indiana, if you drive down an interstate, say, you know, I-65 from Indianapolis to Louisville, a lot of that's a very rural interstate with a lot of places where you could put in substations and even put in like a wind farm, for example, or perhaps a solar installation to actually help with that electric generation that you're going to need to get the system to work properly. So presumably you could have like solar panels or many windmills that would run along the right-of-way of a corridor, right? Exactly. Whether or not that's feasible, I can't say for sure. <laughs> I, I think it could be done. Uh, I think we're in the early stages of trying to determine those sorts of things, but I'm encouraged that we're at least looking at those types of methods to generate electricity for this particular thing, because I keep reading that, you know, our electric grid is is antiquated and needs to be updated. So perhaps as part of that update, we can kind of fit this system into that update as well. So when you engineers all get your brains together and figure out how you're going to do this, will you actually construct a presumably a test somewhere? So right now we do have a project with the Indiana Department of Transportation, and that project's not only looking at the charging systems in the electrical engineering labs, we're actually putting a couple of the systems in the accelerated pavement facility that the the, uh, Department of Transportation has here in West Lafayette. We could actually traffic those with uh, half a truck axle, which we're going to do. And the plan is, is for this project, is that in 2023 to build a pilot project somewhere in Indiana that will be about a quarter mile long, we'll actually install some of these charging units in the real pavement uh, using real contractors to do real work and see how that will actually function for us. Oh, no, that's cool. So I'd love to see that when that's happening. We can bring Sarah and her video equipment out there and have some more content for our people. That's really cool. So there currently are three entities in the U.S. that are looking to put in pilot projects about that same time. There's the one here in Indiana. There's one in Utah, where it's the Inland Port Authority in Utah is uh, talking about doing a project about that same time frame. And the other one is in Florida, on the tollway in Florida around Orlando. They're talking about putting one in as well about that same time. And that makes sense. They'll just be small pilot projects. What are we missing, John? What are we not talked about Well, you mentioned the funding. I'm certainly not a funding expert. Currently, you know, in Indiana, if you drive an electric vehicle, you pay a tax for that electrical vehicle when you go to register it, correct? Correct. That's probably not a long-term funding mechanism. If everybody's driving electric vehicles, that probably is not going to work. Correct. When you've got people who are having heavier loads, going longer miles, if you've got a flat fee, it's not a true user fee in that sense. Right. I think certainly 
were we to have these charging systems, one of the things that has to be done is you've got to be charged for that electricity, right? So as you drive and draw electricity from the pavement, the electric company has got to know who you are to send you the bill for the electricity. So is there, wow, that's fascinating. So is there a way to then meter that amount of electricity that's going into your vehicle? Yes, that's the software part of it. Because if you think about it, one of the big things that we're trying to do at Purdue that's not really been done is that we're trying to do this with semi-tractors. Now, you know, if you think about your Chevy Volt or whatever your favorite electric vehicle is, right? Your, you know, your Mustang Mach-E these days. Yeah. That it doesn't take much power to charge a battery on that. So, you know, maybe you're talking about somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 to 30 kilowatts. That's doable now. And in fact, is done now, certainly from a static charging standpoint. We're talking about tractor trailers where we need to be able to have more in the neighborhood of 200 kilowatts for semi-tractors. Right. And remember, we're charging at highway speed. So your semi-tractor trailer is moving at 65 miles an hour while you're trying to do that. Well, we're using a much higher power than to charge these vehicles than you would if it was just a stream of, you know, cars and light duty trucks. Which, you know, that, that, yeah, I don't know. Wow. <laughs> I'm sort of stumbling around now because this is all makes my head swim. There has to be onboard equipment in the vehicle. So the manufacturer, so the, the original equipment manufacturers, you know, Ford, General Motors, Toyota, those people are working with us. Because from their side, they'll have to put equipment and software in the vehicle to be able to take the charge. And then from the pavement side, the pavement has to be smart charging, right? So as you drive towards the pavement, the pavement needs to basically be able to inquire of your vehicle. What type of vehicle are you? Do you need a charge? How much charge do you want? So that it can turn that on as you get onto the system and then turn it off when you leave and get ready to do the next vehicle. Now, think about doing that at 70 miles an hour, vehicles, you know, that are within two to three seconds apart at 70 miles an hour. The system's got to be able to respond to that. Yeah, that's, wow, that's crazy. Because one thing when you're doing it as we're introducing these vehicles into the fleet, it's another thing when everybody's on it and you're going 70 miles an hour. Yeah, that's just fascinating. Right. It's So when I say, look, I'm just a pavements guy, I'm working on this little part about putting <laughs> these into pavements. It's really true. There is a huge amount of work going on to make this feasible long term. So we're not going to see these systems working in hundreds of miles of roads in the next five years. But in the next 20 years, we may actually see these systems strategically located in different places. So, for example, the I-70 corridor between Indianapolis and Columbus, which is a heavy truck corridor, that could very easily be a corridor that contains this kind of system because you can then use electric semi-tractors to make that run. Well, and then that could drive this idea of specific truck lanes even further, right? Yeah, I'm a big proponent of specific truck lanes, especially if we can separate them with barriers from light traffic, from cars and light trucks, because that makes it easier for me as a pavement designer to design pavements because I know I just need to design the pavement for the trucks or I just need to design the pavement for the cars. Those are much different pavements for those two vehicles. Plus, I think you get a real safety boost when you separate the trucks from the, the cars and the light trucks. As anyone who has driven from Indianapolis to Chicago can tell you. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> 
Well, John, thanks for your time. This is great. We'll probably get back in touch with you at a later date on some other things you might be working on. We can talk about LTAP, other topics. I uh, really appreciate your time today. No worries. Thank you for having me on, Rich. Thank you again to our guests, John Haddock and Richard Hedgecock, as well as our sponsor, D2 Land and Water Resource, Inc. To get in touch with the D2, give them a call at 317-917-2180. Join us every Friday during your morning commute to hear safety talks, member spotlights, and inside information about the infrastructure and transportation construction industry. This has been ICI Digs Deep. Let's break ground together. Together.